Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Welcome to the show, Ben Kissel, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. And Fernando. Hola, Ben. How you doing, guys? I'm so good. I'm so excited to be in the Bone Zone today, Ben. Today, it's the Bone Zone. Thank you all so much for supporting this show. We are climbing, and it's all because of you. We're going to make the world a better place together. Today's guest, he, we have, we've, I've had him on before. He represents the every man, the every woman, the every person. Mm. Uh, he's a Midwestern dude. He came to fame oh. and notoriety in 2016 when he uh, wore a red sweater on CNN's town hall. <laughs> and uh, he asked a question and then he became memed. He got the meme treatment. He became an internet celebrity. And, you know, I just love talking to him. His name is Ken Bone. And I'm sure you know him. I think it's an insightful conversation. I mean, he represents what a lot of Americans are thinking. Uh, he doesn't necessarily um, subscribe to one political party right. or another. He just wants things to be better. And I think that's the frustration felt by millions and millions of Americans, other than those specific Americans who are profiting off of the binary political system. Absolutely. Because there's a lot of people who are happy the, with the status quo, mm-hmm. as, uh, as we've seen that play out over the years. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about Ken, even when he be became internet famous and became this yeah. new political celebrity um he really stayed humble he stayed true to himself of course. and i believe he voted like we did in 2016 he voted for gary johnson for president i actually don't know if he's ever i don't know what he's i don't know i know i think he endorsed uh, joe jorgensen i'm not even sure but you know what it's not even about that it's more just about hearing people express themselves and uh, just you know just remembering that the vast majority of people want to be left alone and they want to leave everyone else alone and they would just want everyone to live their lives and be happy and that's the vast majority of americans they're good people who just you know that's why i've always said the addendum to the don't tread on me flag is and i won't tread on you yes you know that's the problem with some air quotes libertarians or trump supporter libertarians who are just laughing about the suffering of others and it's like that's not what it's supposed to be about you're being an asshole you're being a bully don't tread on me, dude. Yeah. And I won't tread on you. And I think Ken kind of represents that a little bit. Yeah. He's very independent. 
And he very much is that, you know, we're all in this together yeah. and our government should start treating us all that way. Too. I agree, Fernando. I think uh, Ken is a good example of, uh, you know, uh, in L.A. and New York, they call it flyover country. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's uh, these are the people that are voting. These are the people that Absolutely. are making the majority of votes and uh, they're logical people and they can come to logical conclusions if you present them with the correct absolutely evidence. and uh you know stop in milwaukee every now and again go bucks good for the bucks i'm a knicks fan but i'm happy to see milwaukee bucks win the nba championship stop in the flyover states sometimes and you know the more that i've explored the states in this country everyone is cool like there's it's so you really don't meet that many douchebags <laughs> for the most part right. people are just chill going about their lives trying to get drunk and eat some food. Absolutely. And credit to, to Ken Bone. You know, he came to fame with that red sweater. And uh, it's summertime. I bet you he's wearing a red sweater bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Enjoy this conversation with internet sensation Ken Bone. All right, everyone. Now we are honored to have with us our annual Bone Zone. Woo! Ken Bone is joining the show. Ken, thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate having you here. I was just reading this fantastic write-up of you in The New Yorker. The New Yorker has an article. It is entitled, Ken Bone and the Legend of the Undecided Voter. So thank you so much for being on the show. And maybe you can just talk a little bit about your life over this past year since we spoke last. I heard there was a, a documentary made about you. Yeah, uh, that write-up in The New Yorker was part of that. Uh, a young filmmaker named Savannah O'Leary contacted me. And uh, she wanted to do a short form documentary on people who were, you know, had been internet famous. And I yeah. was her, her first subject. So her and her crew came to the house. Uh, and we shot it all in one day. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. You know, the, uh, the video is pretty great. Got to uh, get in depth to more, more stuff than I normally get a chance to talk about. About like, tell us the story of where you got this wetter, blah, blah. It was like, more than that, like, tell us what your life is like now. How do you feel about your life getting back to normal? That kind of stuff. So it was a lot of fun. Right. And she was a great filmmaker. That is fantastic. The article here was written by Naomi Fry for The New Yorker. So I suppose I can kind of piggyback on a few of those questions. How is it? What's been happening since 2016? Just to remind our audience, I know everyone knows already, but CNN Town Hall, a very authentic way mm. to understand what the candidates are thinking. <laughs> Ken Bone showed up. He had a red sweater and um, represented the every man and every woman in this country. And uh, the Internet went crazy. And everyone's like, who's this Ken Bone? This man is so lovable. We need this guy in our lives. And uh, it kind of went from there. So how's life been going since? Oh, pretty good. I mean, I don't really do much of anything uh, related to the uh, the temporary fame stuff anymore. Uh, this podcast is the first one I've done in, I don't know, probably a month or so. Uh, I was on my favorite local radio show a couple weeks back, but before that, there, there hadn't been too much. Uh, mostly having a normal life, and then the only time I'm re really reminded of the, uh, the internet sensation or whatever is I'm on Cameo. And, oh, you know, oh. I, I get like eight or 10 cameo requests a week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, hold on. Let me stop typing on this inane spreadsheet at work and be like, <laughs> take my coffee break and be like, hey, Daryl, T-Dog says he wants to have a happy birthday because waka waka honk. And then I get paid $25. <laughs> and wow. I'm like, what the hell? Dude, what a what a I'm going to say I'm going to say wacky world. That's a wacky world. I love that. How much is a, a Ken Bone Zone? cameo going for these days 
Uh, I think twenty five bucks. Uh, used oh, to that's be a deal. That's, that's a deal. Money. My birthday is coming up, guys. So. It used okay. to be less. Like I try to keep it accessible and like affordable, so anybody can do it and have fun with it. So I end up doing kind of a lot of them. I had to raise the prices because Apple is an evil giant mega corporation. Yeah. And so if you book on an <laughs> Apple device, uh, they get thirty percent of everything. What? So like, yeah. So like, if you book uh, like the Undertaker, the wrestler, I think he charges like five hundred bucks. So yes. Apple gets like one hundred and eighty dollars from what? right off the top of that. It's insane. I did not know that. I have I've avoided doing cameo. I just haven't. I don't know. I just feel like I haven't. At some point, I'll do it. The fans are asking. Though. I know, but yes. I just I have to avoid it at this point. We got many emails to the old BK for BK email asking when can we get Ben on cameo. I'm just gonna say this: if anyone's having a birthday out there, happy birthday! Oh, okay, there you Freeze go. Freeze it. And then I'll list a name. I'll 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 list a series of names, and then everyone can have my happy birthday. There you uh, go. It'll be them. like the announcers from NHL 2002. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> a great pass to Kucherov. <laughs> <laughs> so have you been? I I noticed uh, as far as politics go. Obviously, that's what brought you to the world of uh, of fame and celebrity, which is a strange cesspool of madness and disease. How have you been handling? the uh, political landscape as of late. I know uh, there's a lot of turbulence and there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of disinformation. And you being a relatively intelligent, moderate, clear thinking dude, how has it been in your neck of the woods? How has it been in your area? Well, you know, I try to stay informed and all that just because uh, I feel like I should, but it's so disgusting and so horrible. And just because Trump is gone doesn't mean it's not any you know, it's not as hateful. It's still hateful and awful. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that has changed is the color of the, you know, the party in power. Uh, It's all just the same crap, different day. And I know it's only been six months for the Biden presidency and maybe he'll pull something out. But for the most part, it's like, oh yeah, we're going to do censorship on Facebook. And, you know, but it's okay because Facebook's going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're just going to lean on them and fuck with them until they do our bidding. So that's not like the government breaching the First Amendment. That's a private company doing horse shit. Come on. If the government leans on, you know, Tom's market down the street to charge me twice as much for apples and refuse to sell me oranges, that's not Tom's market doing it. That's the government threatening them with consequences if they don't do it. It's fucking ridiculous. And I hate it. It's one of the most fascist things I've seen in years for all the crowing about how Trump is an evil fascist. Well, guess what? This is a fucking evil fascist move to be policing speech on the Internet because some government bureaucrat gets to decide what's true and what's not. Yeah, it is absolutely fascinating. Of course, in this world of, again, misinformation and disinformation and in the social media realm, God knows those two things are really what feed the beast. So I do understand the idea of having Facebook be like, yo, we're going to try to get misinformation off of our site. But it's such a Goliath. I And you're right. Who's If we start picking winners and losers, the next administration comes in. And this is what I always think about the foresight. Uh, when the Biden administration is gone, there's a good chance another crazy uh, who knows who the hell could take over in this country uh what political affiliation could take over and then they just ride the coattails of the previous administration and uh and censorship continues so we have to be very careful we're seeing exactly what we've seen for the last 20 years where whatever party is in power they're like yeah now we can do whatever we want 
and uh, we'll never lose an election again because the other side <laughs> is so stupid. And then as soon as the party in power switches, they're like, oh, shit. Because like Barack Obama, almost all of his legislative accomplishments, other than the Affordable Care Act, which is a friggin' disaster, were not really legislative. They were done by executive order. Right. And then day one, Trump can come in and just by signing his name a few dozen times, he's like, no, not good. We're going to do the opposite of this and this and this and this and this and this. And there's no debate, no compromising. Just do whatever he wants. And then here can come Biden. And guess what? He wants to expand the power of the executive branch even more so he can do whatever he wants. Well, he's like 90 million years old. When he dies, nobody's going to get behind Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris pulled it like 1% in her home state. She is vastly, vastly unpopular. She cannot win the presidency unless the Republicans put up some moron against her, which is possible. That that is very possible. Do not count that (laughs) out. Under normal circumstances, she should not be able to win. So why? Why? Are we putting all our eggs in the basket of the executive branch when the Democrats have a huge chance of losing it in three years? Uh, It's just insanity to me. You make a very valid point, and it does frustrate the hell out of it. I think all Americans is why it's so great to have you on, Ken, because for for the purposes of this show, you represent the every person of this country. Because when we go out to the bars, we go out to Vegas, you hear people ranting and raving. When it comes to the Affordable Care Act, of course, it was gutted. It was a, a massive, massive payout to the health insurance to the health insurance yeah. companies, and it didn't do what it said it was going to do, which was provide reasonably affordable health care to everyone. Look at the folks in Wyoming when the market was gutted; it was fifteen hundred bucks a month for the ACA, so it just didn't function properly because uh, the spirit is great. I think the spirit of the ACA the is fantastic. Yeah. The idea is great, but then you have the Democrats not necessarily putting in the proper tools in order for it to uh, facilitate a free market rollout. And then you have the Republicans who just gutted the entire thing because you don't have the individual mandate. So the entire thing is as shallow as a kiddie pool. And I think that's what frustrates uh, the American people so much is that perhaps an intention is good, but the way that it's done just ends up fucking over the people that it promises to help. And I think that's why we have so many folks disillusioned and upset. Absolutely. Uh, The individual mandate is the only thing that made the ACA halfway work because it got it forced more people to get into the pool. Well, now that less people, you know, people don't have to get into the pool. Rates are going to go up and rates. Absolutely. Rates were already high because we let the health care insurance industry write most of the damn bill. So, of course, (laughs) it benefits them. They're like, oh, yeah, uh, like I have through my job. I have what is considered pretty good health insurance. Well, my out-of-pocket or my deductible, which I have to pay out-of-pocket before they cover anything, is $6,000. And that's considered considered pretty decent for where I live and for what we pay for it. So I got to pay the first six grand myself before they'll pay a fucking dime. And they're also soaking up like, uh, it's like eight or ten thousand dollars a year in premiums between what I pay and what my company pays, and that's what everybody's got. And not to mention, you're paying insurance every month. 
I have yeah. no idea what you get. I went to the, uh, Fernando can attest to this. I had a small ear infection. Mm-hmm. Mm, sexy. <laughs> and uh, I go to the little, I go to the clinic and my health insurance isn't accepted. Thank God I could afford to pay for uh, what I needed. But just imagine right. you go in and you're paying for health insurance and, and you're just trying to struggle to make ends meet. You think you're doing everything right. And you show up and they're like, oh, I, I have Oscar health insurance. It's the worst you can get, by the way. So do not get it. Um, I don't know why I still have it. I, it's worse than the employees that we have uh, health insurance. I should, I should get on our company plan. <laughs> anyway, you can imagine someone struggling to make ends meet. They're doing everything right. They think they're following the rules. And then they show up and they're like, ah, sorry. This one we're not friends with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like my dad is, uh, my mom and dad are both disabled and unable to, to work. Uh, mom's a breast cancer survivor who has severe migraines, like to the point where some days she can't leave the house. And mm-hmm. my my dad has multiple sclerosis and an artificial heart valve. So oh neither one of them has been able to work since their mid 40s. So they're on Social Security disability and they're on Medicaid. Well, Medicaid, even though it's a gigantic government program that accounts for like 20 percent of all expenditures that the government makes, it still doesn't cover shit. It's ridiculous. What we need is Medicare for all, because as you expand it, the prices will go down and we just cut out the middleman. You know, Aetna, Blue Cross, all those companies, they have billions and billions of dollars in profits. Why? Why are we giving them that money to be the middleman, which also results in like if you go to if you go to McDonald's and you're like, I want a Big Mac. And they're like, okay, here's a Big Mac. Uh, that'll be 27 bucks. You're like, what the fuck? You didn't tell me it was 27 bucks up front. I wouldn't have wanted it. And they'd be like, well, too bad. That's how McDonald's right. works. That's how healthcare works. You walk yep. in and you're like, I'm missing three toes. I got them here in a baggie. <laughs> Can you sew them back on for me? And they don't tell you like, well, it'll be $27,000 because you could say like well, $27,000. Well, they're small toes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go home. No, they got you over a barrel. You want your fucking toes back. And they don't even hint at how much it might cost you a up uh, front right. and there's no competition hey mom first things first thank you it's my one year anniversary of my decision to say yes I need help and yes I choose me and that's the miracle I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother love you mom Maxwell be that strong person who makes the difference if your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment Visit caron.org slash lost. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Is there anyone out there right now in the political landscape? Obviously, Medicare for All, that was a big Bernie Sanders uh, proposal. Mm -hmm. That was something I think that really resonated with a lot of people, Uh, specifically people, you know, like you and your parents. Anyone who has been through the rigmarole of the healthcare system understands how massively fucked it is. Is there anyone out there right now that you have seen discussing Medicare for all or discussing any of these things that could actually help people? Or is is this conversation almost sailed already? Well, it's like it was every single major Democratic candidate except Joe Biden. 
And then right. now now that they're not president and they're beholden to Joe Biden because they want a cabinet position or they want committee appointments or whatever, they got to suckle at the Joe Biden teeth. So they're like, uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about something else. So they talked about the border crisis for a while. And then it turns out that Biden sucked at handling that, too. So they're like, oh, fuck, let's <laughs> talk about something else again. And they just move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing without even trying to fix the last thing. You know, that, that's a great point. And, you know, coming back to the Internet culture, the speed of the Internet, you know, something trends for 30 right. minutes and everyone's like, this is the biggest deal on Earth until 29 minutes later and another biggest deal on the face of the Earth happens. That is a great point, Ken. And this is why they need to stop legislating via the pen and via executive order, because we need the House and the Senate to focus on one fucking thing. One thing at a time. get it done. You know, these massive bills, these omnibus bills that they pass, it's full of pork and, uh, you know, they'll they'll mask it with like, this is, I forget the most recent one. And I am actually in favor of many of the things in this passing because it's just like, we have to help the people who have been forced out of work because of COVID and uh, the amount of power uh, that the government has taken because of this situation that we're currently in. But when it comes to them focusing on one issue, you know, you almost wonder, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, is it on purpose? I mean, this was the Trump buckshot approach to politics, where it's just you just throw out so much misinformation. Maybe a piece of truth gets stuck in there somehow, like a piece of corn in your shit. Maybe something you say resonates, but you throw out so much information that people are just like, what the hell is going on? Like they're in a hailstorm of American politics. I mean, how do we get Washington to slow down, take Medicare for all and just get it done? Uh, by getting the money out of politics, which is next to impossible oh. uh, because of the Citizens United decision. Absolutely. So like, One of the worst decisions in of all time. Yes, it is horrible. And people don't know enough about it. And it's hard to even educate people about it because I honestly believe that it gets not only is it a boring topic, but there's also <laughs> suppression out there where they don't want you talking about big corporations don't want you talking about it. And politicians right. don't want you talking about it because it benefits both of them. But the long yeah. and short of it is like, the three of us, we could all donate like collectively. Let's say, uh, let's just pick a candidate. We want, we want Bernie to get elected. We're taking another shot. Bernie 2028 when he's going to oh be 92 goodness. years this old. This is going to be a weekend <laughs> yeah. of Bernie's situation <laughs> yeah. in real life. <laughs> Why is he always wearing sunglasses? What's happening? Is he Each dead? of the three of us is going to donate the maximum that we're allowed to by law to both <sighs> Bernie's campaign. Well, that's like 5,800 bucks between the three of us or something like that. Yep. And then some big corporation can come along and found a super PAC, a political action committee that does the same thing that Bernie's campaign does. It runs ads, it puts out yard signs, it employs people to go knock on doors and coordinate and drive people to the polls and all that shit, except they're allowed to donate an unlimited amount of money to those PACs. So if you're super rich, it's like, oh, well, we we can each only donate our 1800 bucks to the candidate, so it's fair. Well, yeah, but one, if you're working at Jack in the Box and you got three kids at home, you can't right. afford to, to donate eighteen hundred bucks in the first place. You might be able to donate twenty if you're able yeah. to pick up an extra shift. And for two, Jeff Bezos can donate his eighteen hundred bucks, and then he could donate three hundred million to a super PAC that's right. against Bernie or whoever we want decide we want to support. Uh, and then he can also wield his gigantic political influence to be like, hey, you know, uh, that government discount that you're getting on uh, penis shaped rocket ships. I'm going to take that away <laughs> if you don't vote for what I want to vote for. 
the hell of a discount. So that's, that's what, a big discount. That's what leads to Congress people. Like I looked into running for Congress. Yeah. But being in Congress sucks big old ass. It's horrible. <laughs> if you're in the House that of Representatives. That should be your campaign slogan. Honestly, I'm voting for the guy who says being in Congress sucks big old ass. ass. It's horrible. A couple of uh, people in the House of Representatives shared their daily schedule with me. And I got to look at it. And it is literally, if you work and you work like 10 or 12 hours a day, six days a week, and you spend about seven to nine of those hours every single day on the phone asking for money. Jesus. From rich people. And if you can't, if you don't raise enough money, then the national committee, the Democrats and the Republicans both do it. They say, fuck you, you're out. We're not going to help you no more. We're not going to help you with talking points or strategy. And we're not going to give you mm. money. If your race turns into a battleground, we're not going to help you with additional money from the party. And if you're somebody that's in a safe district like Nancy Pelosi, right. Nancy Pelosi cannot lose. It's a, it was impossible for her to lose because her district is so safe, even right. though nationally she's incredibly unpopular. Mm-hmm. But she lives in a very rich district and raises colossal amounts of money. And since she doesn't have to spend it on her own campaign, she can just give it to other Democrats. Yep. So then Nancy Pelosi can be like, hey, uh, you're not towing the party line. So fuck you. Right. That's what leads to the parties being so polarized, because like I want me personally, I want a strong social safety net. I think mm-hmm. we need not a giant slash, but at least a moderate sane cut in military spending. Because we have we have the strongest military in the world. I'm not saying gut it and throw it away. I'm saying we don't need to increase the military budget twenty five billion dollars like they did the other day. Holy shit. Scale that back a little bit. Give more of the money to the people, social programs, job training, Medicare for all, uh, maybe even child care, things that the government hasn't traditionally done that help prop us up. That's not socialism, by the way. All of my conservative friends out there are like, that's socialist. No. That's capitalism with social programs. You don't call the cop, having cops and firefighters and highways isn't socialist. This is just more of that. So I want all that stuff, but I also got like 20 guns in a safe upstairs (laughs) because I'm a big, I'm a big gun rights guy. I enjoy target shooting. Me and my family do it together as a fun activity. I don't think I would ever have to use a gun for home defense. I don't carry one with me when I am out. But I would like to have the right to if I needed to. And a few right. years back when I was getting mobbed by people, I, there were some situations where I kind of wished I either had a security guard or a gun. I would like yeah. to have that right. And I would like to be able to own whatever I want to own as long as I am safe with it. So where's the party for me? There isn't one. The Democrats could tell me just eat shit. You're out. <laughs> well, and of course, under Trump, uh, gun sales skyrocketed because many people who were on the left were like, you know what? I'm a little scared. This guy seems a little tyrannical <laughs> under Obama. Gun sales skyrocketed. People on the right were like, this guy's a little tyrannical. I, I'm not sure about this. So when it comes to uh, when it comes to 2A, it's an ever moving, ever shifting conversation. And I think it's really unique. Um, your political viewpoint, uh, it's unique only in the sense that it's not expressed at all in mainstream media. And I think your what you just expressed, a reasonable safety net. I'm reminded when we did uh, we did foster care when I was growing up, there was a program called Head Start. Mm-hmm. Head Start was of one of the most important things for children who needed a breakfast, who needed to go to school. It was a pre-kindergarten uh, right. program. It was so needed. The YMCA had programs like that. Um, and those things have gotten so, we're so, 
the conversation's gotten so convoluted and such bullshit where we can't even talk about that because we have the conversation of like, as soon as you mention a safety net, oh, that's socialism. And then mm. as soon as you mention, well, yeah, I got 20 guns. I'm, I'm kind of a 2A guy. That's fascism. Yeah, yeah you're, a, you're a total, what like, so we can't have any reasonable conversations because in the binary world of media, it doesn't help them if we do. The reality is that no one is black and white. You know, yeah. uh, you know, Ken is an obvious example. We are all obvious examples. I'm an example. Everyone's a Venn diagram of of those beliefs, of very, very left beliefs, very right beliefs. And the issue with a binary system is that that you have to pigeonhole yourself. You a, have often. To. And sorry to interrupt, Ken, but continue. No, you're fine. Both parties have super purity lists. Basically, they got like their top ten list of like, okay. You want to be with us? You want to wear a suit and be on MSNBC and get campaign contributions and that kind of shit? Well, you have to say that you want health care for the people, but don't actually vote for it. And then you got to because that would be scary and cost us donations from Aetna and Blue Cross. Uh, you got to say you're anti-gun, even if you got a security guard with a fucking gun standing right next to you. You got to right. say you're this, you got to say you're this, you got to say you're this. And if you're a Republican, you can't be like, yeah, uh, I, I kind of like smaller government spending, but in that same vein, I also think like uh, if you're a woman, you should have control of your own body. And <laughs> uh, and if you want to sell naked pictures for a living or have an abortion or whatever, that's the government shouldn't get to tell you you can't. They're like, what the fuck? You're not a real conservative. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could want everything. You'd be like, I want to double the military budget and I want corporations to have their own Congress people. And I want this and I want this and I want this. But I also want women to be able to go topless. And they'd be like, get out, you fucking right, psychopath. Right. <laughs> so it, is that is that more related to, you know, uh, you're talking about those are things that tend to align with Catholic or very Christian beliefs. Evangelical. Is, evangelical belief. Is that the issue? Is that the issue here in America that we have a very evangelical kind of like overlay in America, Ken? Well, especially in the Republican Party. Like you, the evangelical vote carries a lot of weight. Which yes, is weird because even people like I, I grew up a very staunch church going guy, but my religion doesn't get to legislate people's beliefs. I still 100 percent believe in my religion. I'm a Christian guy, but I don't get to legislate the Ten Commandments onto you. What if you're a Buddhist or an atheist or, you know, yeah. you go to the Church of Satan? That's supposed to be protected by the First Amendment. You get to do whatever you want. And Absolutely. I don't get to tell you to do it differently just because my interpretation of God says that I have to do it. Who's to say that I'm 100% right? I think I'm right, but I don't get to enforce my will upon you. Right. So it's weird. And most church-going people feel the same way. But then you get enough of us together in a group, and all of a sudden we turn into a bunch of fucking prudes. And we don't want to let nobody <laughs> do nothing. I don't understand it. Yeah, and that's why, of course, the confirmation hearing of uh, of Amy Coney Barrett, uh, just having her walk into the Supreme Court, this bitch is psycho. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so for everyone that was pissed off at Kavanaugh getting in there or whatever, we're going to see that she is a thousand times worse than we can ever imagine um, because she wants to legislate her religion from the bench. And I think that's it's, it's just very difficult to get her out and she will be there forever, and she's going to have a long-lasting stain on the uh, judiciary in this country. Yeah, I've got some hope for her because her judicial record is not terrible so far. But to your point, she's like 45 years old. Yeah. She's going to be 
legislator our whole life. She's going to be there on the Supreme Court for maybe the next 10 presidencies. Yes. It's crazy. This is her at her peak saying people only get crazier. I I really do. I favor a constitutional amendment that one locks in the number of members that are going to be on the Supreme Court. Sure. Because that's not constitutionally mandated already. They, we really could pack the court with 150 justices if we wanted to. It's just not a very good idea. Right. Uh, because then the next president will come along and say, OK, well, it's going to be a thousand and they're all going to be my yep. minions. But, you know, It gets out of hand really fast. Yes, it does. But we need to uh, lock in the number of members, whether it's going to be nine, 11, whatever it is. We have to come to some kind of compromise. Uh, and then we need to... Uh, institute term limits and they should be long yep. because you shouldn't and you can't get reelected you can only get appointed once and then you're out go I go right go write books and live on your ranch and that term should be something like uh, i think andrew yang suggested 18 years which is sure. a long time That's but a long time but stuff. not a not a ridiculous time yeah and i actually completely agree i was thinking actually 22 obviously thinking in, in fours because of the presidency here um, cause you don't want them to be politicized. Obviously that is, uh, it's a, it's a dream. I'm not sure if it's a reality, but yeah. if you do give them enough time, so they have a stable, they have a long, uh, career and they won't necessarily be concerned about what every single president that is currently in power cares about or what they say. So they can try to stay apolitical. And I think 18 or 22 years, I think that's totally fine. I mean, yeah. why can't and the same thing with the Senate and same thing with the House? Yeah, the number was somewhere in there. I, I don't remember. It's 18 or something like it. And it, it gives every president the same number of picks. So that, yes. that number, you know, you start it with a, uh, a rolling like, OK, you're number one, you're number two, you're number three. So your term expires in eight years and years in 10 and years in 12 or whatever. But that way, every president gets to pick three and that's it. And you make such a valid point, Ken. Because now we're going through, obviously, we have the uh, RGB. Mm. Uh-huh. God must have needed a judge. <laughs> uh, she's dead, which is very sad. But do you recall, of course, everyone's like, retire, stop. But of course, she thought Hillary was going to win. So she says, okay, it'll be fine. Right. And now we have a very similar thing happening with Stephen Breyer, where he's old. And people are like, bro, what are you going to do? <laughs> like, Because if Biden wants to get a judge in there. You no, gotta go, dude. Now, of course, he is a more liberal leaning judge, so it doesn't necessarily it's not like there would be a shift in the ideological leanings of the court. But if you're Breyer and you live through Biden and let's say a Republican does get elected, he will die at some point oh, yeah. right. and open up the doors again for another Republican appointee to be on the Supreme Court, which now obviously is dominated by Republican appointees. So it would also save us all of this, like, when will they die? Like this death countdown or this, like, when will they retire countdown, which really does destabilize a lot in this country. I think that brings up another great point too. the like, oh, God needed a judge, you know, the notorious RBG thing. Look, I liked Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was a brilliant jurist who did Absolutely. a lot for women's rights, fantastic justice, and a wonderful human being. But she was a person. We need to stop taking these politicians and getting fucking tattoos of them on our chest All and whatever. Right. And be like, I love AOC so much. Uh, I still got a Trump flag in my yard. Driving home from work, it's a 40-minute commute through rural country. I still see like 20 Trump yard signs. Oh, yeah. It, everyone left him up because he's coming back in August. Yeah, and he's I'm coming like, back in August. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and the world is, didn't actually end in 2012. Uh, we got it backwards. <laughs> it's 2022. Fucking stupid. 
But it's, <laughs> I'm with you. We worship these politicians because they're not politicians anymore. They're celebrities. Well, we already mm. worship celebrities too much because most celebrities suck. Like I was a celebrity for a couple of weeks and I suck. And I got to meet a bunch <laughs> of the other ones. They're terrible. That's actually the sign of a good celebrity. Yeah, you're a Ken. reluctant celebrity. Yeah, this is why you, we need you to run for Congress. That you understand the curse of fame and the you know the weight it carries. It makes you weird when people like I was shooting a commercial one time, and like the production assistant could see that I was sweating because I'm a big fat slob, and a water bottle just appeared in my hand between takes, and it was just the perfect temperature. And I had never told them what temperature I wanted, but I have this feeling like they had twenty at all different temperature gradients and they judged which one I wanted and I was like wow thank you and they looked at me like I was a mutant because I actually thanked them like they were a human being like they didn't expect that it's fucking bizarre you get treated like that for long enough you become a different person I I agree Tom Cruise might be a nice dude maybe he's not but he's been so super famous for so long he's not a regular human being anymore it's almost impossible And, and you make a great point again going back to term limits you know, I know you You know Chuck Schumer. Mm-hmm. You used to deliver all of his Splenda. His, I mean, his grapefruit and cottage cheese. I was an intern for Chuck Schumer oh, years and, these and years things, ago. I mean, everyone is very particular. Class everyone a dickhead, that one. Yeah. Well, I would forget the, the Sweet and Low because it's a Brooklyn company and he wanted Sweet and Low and his cottage cheese and grapefruit. And I would just hear him yelling at his assistant. Sweet and Low. Sweet and low. She, I mean, his assistant would come out and look at me like, you can't forget the Sweet and Low. <laughs> what normal person acts that way? You know, someone who has been in power for that long. It really is bizarre. I think that's a valid and a fantastic point. Like if you worked at, you know, just some office job or whatever, and your boss was like, hey, can you grab me some pens out of the the supply cabinet while you're over there? And you bring him big pens instead of the sweet gel pens. And he just threw them at your chest. He's like, (laughs) what the fuck? What's the matter with you, you piece of shit? You'd punch him in the face. And then he probably wouldn't be your boss anymore after once the investigation went down. So why do we allow these politicians who are supposed to work for us to treat us mm-hmm. like this? Yeah, absolutely. And it is kind of sad. One of the things that's really been disheartening is watching how people, so many people love to be led, but uh, they have no um, understanding if their leaders are valid or not. You know, you look at Mueller, people wearing the Robert Mueller shirts. It's Mueller time. It's Mueller time. This guy's a German inquisitor. I don't give a shit about anything as far as what the investigation is, all of that stuff. Okay, that is what it is. And then, of course, with Dr. Fauci, I see people wearing Fauci shirts. It's just these people, it's a doctor and a German inquisitor. These are not (laughs) celebrities. Get them off of your shirts, AOC. And you're right, both sides now have just massive fandom. I mean, you look at something like a CPAC. I mean, this is just a Comic-Con for virgins, which is unbelievable because Comic-Con's for virgins. But it's CPAC. (laughs) And these people are, uh, some of the, the way that they celebrate these politicians, uh, it's gotta corrupt the politician. It's gotta warp their mind. I was at CPAC once. Like I was, I was the spokesman for a uh, campaign fundraising software. So we went to all kinds of events. You know, we went to uh, Netroots Nation, which is sort of the liberal equivalent for CPAC, except it's not a big, giant, weird party atmosphere. It's more workshops and stuff. Uh, And we went to CPAC. And you're right about CPAC. It is fucking bizarre. Some schlubby old, you know, 80-year-old white guy who looks like his face is melting will come in in an off-the-rack $200 suit. But he's this congressman's aide, and he has been for a long time. And they'll they'll start chanting his name. There's 16-year-old, you know, high school kids. They're like, Horowitz, Horowitz, Horowitz. You're like, (laughs) what the hell is going on here? Addiction plays hardball. 
he would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. You know, what do you think about auditing the Fed? Uh, I despise the Fed on principle, but I think that we, if we're going to have it, it definitely needs to be audited. It's one of the most powerful institutions on earth. And not only do we, we the people don't get to decide who's on it, we don't even fully understand how it works or how you get on the on it or what yeah. powers they have and don't have. All the time, they're like, oh yeah, the Fed recommends we do this, so we better do it. Why? Why should we do that? Why should we do what these like 10 old you know, economists who don't seem to understand the macro economy the way it has grown and evolved over the last 60 years. They're still running the economy from 1967 in right. the Cold War. We're still letting them make decisions in 2021, and we don't know how they make the decisions. We can't punish them if they're wrong. We don't necessarily know if they're wrong for years because of the long-term implications that their decisions can have, and we don't know what they can do and what they can't do. It's insane. Right. I never even heard of the Fed until I was in college because they don't teach you about it in high school civics, even right. though it's more like it's more powerful than the damn Senate. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the areas when it comes to uh, education in this country, they want to keep us dumb. Right. They want to keep us not understanding, because if you understand what happens in this government, it's just absolutely infuriating. And I think that's why your story is so compelling to me, Ken. And I think for all of us, because, you know, obviously we're very active in politics. We love running for office is one of the most amazing things you can do. But there's also other ways uh, to get involved to channel this anger. How have you been able to have, have you been involved in anything local as of late? I know you said you were going to thinking about running for the House, which, again, is just a person just absolutely sweating bullets trying to get cash. Uh, it sounds horrible as an existence. Is there anything right now that, you, um, that you're that you taking part in or any suggestions you have to people uh, so that they could take part in something to try to, I mean, you know, it's tough. It's a little bit disheartening because we're going against a massive international machine in something like the Fed. Um, but is there anything going on right now that you can think of at a grassroots level? You're like, this is going to create a positive change in my area. Well, over the spring and summer and now running into the fall, this is when a lot of local elections happen. And yeah. most folks, especially if you don't live in a, a big city, you probably don't even know who your city council member is or how to get a hold of them or who your mayor is or whatever. But when it comes to your everyday life, like the quality of your your kid's school and your roads and your police force and the kind of training and accountability that they get and the equipment that your firefighters have and that sort of stuff, your local politicians have tremendous influence over that. And the federals have very, very little. 
the only thing the feds can really do is help, you know, push money down if your uh, city is coming up short. But you got to have good lo local politicians to get that money from the federal government. And uh, the local infrastructure of the local government, that's where most corruption lives in government. If you think people are corrupt in Congress with all the lobbying and the fancy dinners and strip clubs and shit, go to your city hall in your town of 1,400 people. That is where the real corruption is, like literal bought and paid for politicians who get to do stuff, boring stuff like zoning. Like, oh, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to rezone this so you can only build condos, which guess what? That just made the price of your house go down 8000 bucks while you're trying to sell it. And it made right. the price of this developer's land go up by a half a million bucks because he took this guy out to a fancy dinner. Uh, so you got to get more involved in local politics. You don't have to necessarily run for city council. But you do have to watch what they do and you yes. got to vote in your local elections. And as excruciating as it is, you got to go to the town hall meetings sometimes, uh, which is it's not fun. I try to go to a <laughs> lot of them for my uh, my local community. And you do have to listen to people rant and rave about how the lizard men are watching them from their basement. But, well, mm -hmm. but their time eventually runs out. And if you've got <laughs> something that's important to you, you get your say. Like, hey, this speed bump out in front of my house is so high, it scrapes the mufflers off of cars going by. Right. What are we going to do about it? You know, and yeah. It's the only way you can get it fixed. AOC can't fix that for you, even if you live in her district. It's just not something she can do. Right. Absolutely. It's so important, Ken. And thank you so much, um, you know, for everything that you've done. I would assume when you go to these city council meetings, you're like a little local celeb, speaking of celebrities. No, they don't care. They've seen it before. Like everybody that's ever going to see me in Belleville, they've seen me already. They don't give a damn anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you guys have anything else for Ken? Um, Ken, I mean, obviously, if you do run for office, let us know. We'd love to have you on and promote your campaign. Ben and I have both run for office um, ourselves. We have not done well, but, you mm -hmm. know, we have given it our best shot. Um, and I appreciate a lot of what you said. You know, I do think that's kind of where the millennial generation, this Gen Z generation is trending. All the conservatives I know are more libertarian leaning. All the, the liberals I know are more progressive leaning. Do you see any type of alliance there? Kind of like you were saying, right? Yeah. You have some libertarian stances, some progressive stances. Um, I'm very much the same way. Mm -hmm. Do you think that could be the holy alliance going forward, progressives and libertarians coming together? I think so. uh, you can definitely find common ground, even though the two seem very far apart. And where you can find that is a couple areas. One, in government can't tell you how to live your life. Mm -hmm. So government can't legislate against trans people or LGBT, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or lesbian and gay marriage. Uh, they can't legislate against your ability to live your life the way you want to live it. That is a very common stance between progressives and libertarians. And then also things like foreign intervention, you know, yeah. bombing. We're going to give $50 billion in aid to Syria because they need it because we just spent $50 billion to bomb Syria and we fucking yeah. destroyed it. And now that we're going to give them money to rebuild it. And oh, guess what? All that money actually goes to contracts for Northrop Grumman or whatever. Yep. They pay for the bombs and then they pay for the bomb shelters. You know? Exactly. So it, it's it's ridiculous. Well, progressives and libertarians both also agree on that. Libertarians, because they don't want to spend the money and they don't like killing foreigners either. Uh, right. You know? uh, and progressives, because they're like, we're not supposed to be the world police. Yeah. Uh, so you get together on things like that and then you start meshing together more things like regulation. Libertarians don't necessarily love regulation, but what they do like is 
competition in capitalism, a more fair yeah, marketplace. Yes. Fair, fair market. More, Absolutely. Most libertarians recognize right now that the marketplace is not fair. Not fair. And it's because it's monopoly of after monopoly after monopoly. Yeah, gigantic multinational corporations have all this power and it's not fair. You can't open up a hardware store in your hometown anymore, which is like the libertarian dream. You get a permit for 50 bucks and they let you open up a, a hardware store and you can actually compete. Well, you can't do that now. Nope. So you can start to come together on that kind of stuff and you, then you work from there. I, I completely agree with you, Ken. And uh, that was just such a perfect response. And I think, and what a great question, Travis. That's the coalition we've got to get going forward because that is what's not being expressed. And again, it's not being expressed. Um, it's not that it's not being expressed. It's not being heard because it's being silenced by mass media. Because again, they want to live in a binary world because that's how you profit, because that's how you know your audience and that's who you target and that's how you sell ads. And they're selling the same damn ads on Fox News as they are on CNN. Um, and that is not an accident. I mean, Northrop Grumman, uh, the lead up to the Iraq war, I mean, CNN was sponsored by Northrop Grumman for crying out loud. It's just so unbelievably corrupt. And I completely, um, I feel in my heart of hearts that a campaign message with that kind of libertarian and progressive meld, I think that's a winner. The problem is how do you cut through all the noise and all of the people we're actually going to speak with um, Nina Turner's campaign here in the upcoming future. And, you know, she's trying, they're trying to silence her from the left. Right. Uh, you know, the Hillary Clinton acolytes. And so it's just so difficult to get messages of rational, intelligent, just policy that would help the people. It's so hard because there's massive, massive corporations that don't have that in their best interest. And they're just financing the hell out of these people. And we'll see what AOC does. Also, I mean, like, what's the squad doing? Has they're anything trying. been done? They're trying. They're trying. I, I think they really are trying, but the longer you're in that Washington network, exactly. the more beat down you get. And you yeah. can you can only have somebody knock on your office door and offer you 50 million bucks so many times before <laughs> you're like, oh, fuck, I can't afford two apartments, one in Washington and one at home. Because like when AOC got in, she wasn't rich. Well, it's right, a rich right. man's game because you got to she's got to live in Brooklyn and Washington on one hundred and seventy four thousand dollars. Bronx. Oh, yeah. Queens. We're like. Holy shit, how are you going to do that? Well, well, people keep at trying to give her money. Eventually, I'm not saying that she's going to go corrupt, but that kind of situation, her kind of situation, is where you can end up in the pocket of some politician. Absolutely. It's, uh, it is, uh, it's scary, man. It's very dangerous. Yep. You know, the most, the scariest people to me out there are the neolibs, the, the Clinton-worshipping wing yes. of yeah. the Democratic Party. That's where I've got the most hatred and the most, like, evil messages and stuff is from the neoliberal wing, the Republicans wow. who wear blue, who right. are like, they're pro-war, they're anti-social programs, but uh, we dedicated March 8th as LGBTQ Pride Day at the Capitol, <laughs> and we're going to have right. rainbow jello. Be like, look, visibility and representation is great, but you know, that didn't actually help any gay people, right? You just have a different color jello. Shut up, homophobe! And then they just go nuts on you. And then they don't do anything for the people. It's all, you know, imaging for them. And they get right. so nasty. And you do make it, yeah, another very valid Ken Bone point. Mm -hmm. The Bone Zone. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Ken. We really appreciate having you here, man. You're so articulate and great. And we'll have to talk to you. We'll talk to you, uh, I don't know, very soon, probably. Probably next year. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be a year. It could be biannual. Go nuts. All right, oh. biannual. We're doing two bone zones a year. Yeah. Multiple bone zones. We just got to figure out uh, 
time zones. Time zones. Apparently, neither of us knows how to differentiate between Pacific <laughs> yeah. and Central Time. Our, was, uh, our our Twitter text exchange was uh, two drunk idiots trying to yeah. coordinate. And was, uh, it really, yeah, I, I got a message from Ken today at 10 a.m. Be like, where's the Zoom link? And I was like, hmm, now why would that be? And then we didn't know the time. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> there you go. Different. I did it backwards and, as if I live out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Happy to be here. All right, everyone. Is your head spinning from the bone zone? The you bone were just zone. in the bone zone. We survived the bone zone. Survived the bone zone. But man, I couldn't agree with him more about uh, you know the Fed and about foreign intervention and about safety nets and All of the whole lie good of like socialism, good health care. And I think you made a great point about the police. Why isn't that considered socialism? Right, you know, right. All no, those great things. point. And local elections really local do matter. Elections. You know, I mean, Ken Bone, right. he talked about possibly running for Congress. I'd love to see Ken Bone just run for city council because he goes to all those meetings anyway. It's so important to do. And when it comes to the Facebook conversation, I actually haven't really, I'm not on Facebook. So I don't really. Are you on Parler? I'm on Parler and Gitter. Gitter? <laughs> um, but those things are important, and uh, I I just wish that we, everyone would just get off of social media in general. Mm-hmm. But do be aware, the government is, uh, you know, by proxy, you know, through the strong arm that the government has, they will be manipulating your feed. Mm-hmm. Um, so know that, and know if the Biden administration does it, whoever is in there next is going to do it, and so on and so forth. And don't trust what you see if you're scrolling. Yeah. Do not trust what you see. Um, go to Snopes. Okay. All right. I just want to go to the Bone Zone and live there. I want to go to the All bone. year. All year long. All right. Anything else, Fernando? I I, I was I, I was honestly, I was changed by that interview. I, I went into it a little bit worried. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys saw it on my face here in the studio. But by the end of it, I felt so enlightened because, again, oh. you know, as I said before, we started talking. It's about when you when you honestly talk to these people. When you talk to people just anywhere, Absolutely. you see that they agree with you, that they're they're logical, they, they, they're they human, they have empathy. Mm-hmm. But it's when we get in these giant groups that even us, even us as a, you know, left guys, we get a little bit crazy when we get too I many don't, of us. I'm not around any giant groups. I'm scared of groups of people. They <laughs> are horrifying. Dogs. Good yeah. point, good yeah. point. And I'm not even sure where, I don't even, it's, it's, I'm an issue by issue guy. Right. I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's great. You're right. It's it's good to hear from the American people, and that's what Ken represents to us. Um, so yeah. Anyway, Fernando, I'm happy you you didn't hate the white man. Oh, one of them wins over again. <laughs> one of them got me. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. We hope you're happy and safe and healthy out there, as uh, the world sort of, you know, we're all sort of stressed out. I think at this point in time, but just hang in there. We're gonna get through this shit. Be very safe and uh, take care of yourselves. Okay, hail yourselves, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.
Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.